Smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the unprecedented podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Hey, folks, welcome back to the show. I'm your co-host, Cliff Schechter, here with the always intrepid John Aravosis. Hey, John. Hello. I always like that. Hello. Um, we're, we're I've nothing to, else uh, to say. It's like, hello. <laughs> Good morning. We're lucky to, yes. Well, okay. So we're lucky to have a really good guest here today, returning champion. He's been on the show before, and, and you've probably seen him in the media because he's been everywhere this week. Uh, we have David Pepper, who is the former chair of the Ohio Democratic Party. Uh, he's a former Hamilton County commissioner, which is the county I live in around Cincinnati. Um, he is a novelist. We've had him on talk about his novels that are eerily predictive of what happens in our politics. Um, you're a painter these days too, David. Not a, you're not doing like just painting your feet like George W. Bush, right? You're painting real yeah, stuff. I'm a landscape guy. Um, there you go. It, 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 it helps relax me in these crazy times. I think whatever you can find, I know. I write some poetry and do some things that I never used to do because I need to these days. Um, and most importantly, for our purposes here, David is the author of a new book. Um, it, it is all about, well, let's say what it's called first. It's Laboratories of Autocracy. If you're familiar with the famous phrase by uh, former chief, Ju- not chief justice, former justice Louis Brandeis on the Supreme Court, he referred to the states as the laboratories of democracy. And you may have noticed over the last 20 to 30 years, um, gerrymandering, voter suppression, Texas banning abortion, they're exactly the opposite. And David's written a book where he's gone uh, from his experiences as being Ohio Democratic Party chair, but also interview people. Um, so thank you for being here, David. So you can tell us about what these folks are doing in state houses where nobody's paying attention. Thank you. And that's good to be with you guys. Yep. Um, why don't we start right off with, um, and then we'll get more into your book, but we talked to you before the show, started talking mm-hmm. to you about, um, you know, what we just found out about members of Congress uh, the ones you would have predicted, Republicans, the Louis Gohmerts and Madison Cawthorns and Marjorie Taylor Greens that were actually involved in the planning, at the very least, of the the protest on the mall, if right. not more than that, um, uh, you know, in, in, in on January 6th. Um, and you brought up a really interesting point about how that relates to your book and the states. And so why don't we kick it off there? Yeah. Well, first of all, yeah, it's a horrible cast of characters, unsurprising, you know. I've often looked back at this Lauren Boebert and watched her speech on January 6th, where she tried to keep the Arizona electors from counting. And she's she's not a good speaker to begin with, but she seemed so nervous. And remember, she had also tweeted about Pelosi leaving the the chambers. And it it makes more sense now. This one, I'm not surprised to see this. When you watch her speaking, it's clearly uh, now part of something bigger. And I think that's so awkward and nervous as she gave that speech. This was something that wasn't out of the blue, but it, they'd been prepping for. And, uh, you know, the whole, so this whole revelation is disturbing and there's got to be accountability. And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if there was more people than, than what we've seen so far. But, but my point is also like, we can't continue to only focus on the five or six or eight of the worst members of Congress. Because for for those for every one of them, for every Marjorie Taylor Greene, not to scare our listeners, but my guess is a lot of them know this, there are dozens or hundreds more in state houses. And in state houses, they don't have to do an insurrection to get what they want because they're in the majority and they're passing laws. They are the legislators that can determine the electors. And, and so they're not like scheming ways to 
undo elections, you know, after the fact in a way that they tried on January 6th, they're actually right now passing laws uh, and preparing to pass laws that rig elections for their own state houses, rig elections for the Jim George of the world, and also will set the rules of our elections when it comes to, you know, voter ID and everything else for the next 10 years. And unlike what they did on January 6th, it all will have sort of the veneer legitimacy because these are active sitting state house members. And that's right. sort of what the book is trying to get into, which is a, which is a wake up call. And, and I don't criticize the focus on D.C. Of course, we should focus on all the crazy stuff in D.C. But but the the true, I think, most brutal attack against our democracy will happen in the place where they write the rules of our democracy, which unless Congress steps up, are state houses. Right. And well, I think David, it's as important. We speak. Right. And, but and it's important as you you know you point out, I think, to, to expand on that, which is you know to, I was just in Vegas for a conference, right? The old what happens in Vegas, you know, stays in Vegas or whatever. Yeah. What happens in the state houses does not stay there. I mean, that's a huge right. part. It's it, it's bad enough. So maybe you want to talk about their lack of accountability there and how this stuff makes its way around and to federal law and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the the so the in the book, my second chapter is called "With Great Power Comes Great Anonymity." That these state houses have huge amounts of power. I mean, if you look at whether it's the substance of things like healthcare or economic development or regulation or climate change, they have huge amounts of power. Um, but they also have, given by the United States Constitution, as well as their own state constitutions, they they determine largely the rules on how we run elections, unless the congressional folks step up and, and over over you know ride them, which they do have the power to do by the Constitution. So they're the ones who draw the maps. They're the ones who 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 set things like you know drop boxes or early vote or mail in vote. They do all of that, and most people don't know it. Most people can't name their state rep. Most of these are part-time positions, and one thing I get into the book is with the, with the rapid disintegration of, of local and state house media, there's not even coverage for anything but the most outrageous things they do, uh, like Texas abortion ban, for example. That's going to get media, but 90% of the other things they work on won't. Because there's an average of three state house reporters per state in this country, so it's 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 anonymous. You couldn't put you couldn't pick these people out of a lineup, but they're the ones who who can actually do in the end even more damage, uh, well in advance. And and I you know again it, it's going to sound dramatic, but it's just the case. That's why Jim Crow was so set in so deeply. It wasn't a national law. It was state house after state house putting into place law after law after law on segregation or voter suppression or, you know, or poll taxes, you name it. That's right. why it was so set in. That's why it took, you know, 80, 90 years to get rid of. And that's what's happening right now. It wasn't Congress. It was these state houses. No one really pays attention to them.
Well, have I ever mentioned to you what a carnivorous beast my mom is? She loves steak and burgers, right? We grew up on them. I've never seen her so happy when I sent her Omaha steaks and burgers for Christmas one year. Holidays around the corner, finding the perfect gift is tricky. Omaha Steaks makes it easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved. Go to omahasteaks.com right now and enter Stephanie in the search bar to order the perfect gift package. For $99.99, you'll get 24 entrees, like the world-famous bacon wrap filet mignons, chicken breasts, sides, desserts, and so much more. When you use the code Stephanie, you'll also get an additional eight Omaha Steaks burgers free with your order. We've all heard the reports about shortages and shipping delays, so don't wait. Order the perfect gift package today at omahasteaks.com. You'll get eight free burgers when you enter the code Stephanie. Achieve gifting greatness with Omaha Steaks. Incredible flavor, incredible value, and 100% guaranteed. That's omahasteaks.com. The keyword is Stephanie, omahasteaks.com. And here's what happens, and this is what's frustrating. Hmm. Every every couple weeks, there is a moment where we pay attention. Like the, the perfect example, the Texas, either the Texas voting law where those legislators uh, heroically left the state, or the more recent one, uh, this vigilante abortion ban where you, where they're trying to have people sue uh, sue to stop abortions from happening. So what happens is we all get alarmed. There's a lawsuit, just like there is now. There's an attempt to stop it. Sometimes there's a boycott. But then a week later, we're back to something else in Washington, and no one ever stops and says, what the hell is happening in state houses, and why is it happening, and how do we stop it from happening? And instead, we almost take it as a given that they're going to be crazy, and here's the problem with that. Once you accept that as a given, you're basically going to lose because over time, if they keep pushing and pushing and pushing, and they're on offense – and you're never on anything but defense, they're, they will pile up, uh, pile up enough wins. They're going to get enough friendly yeah. courts that ultimately they succeed. So we have to stop taking it as a given that they're crazy. We have to stop moving on from it once the, the moment dies down. We have to go to the source. And in every way possible, from federal legislation to local activism, we've got to go after the problem that is essentially – our states, many of them, are no longer really functioning democracies. I mean, that's the bottom line. You, you, we, you we are, made a point that ahead, is, it, to me is key. No, no, don't be sorry, but I think people need to understand this because I follow this stuff. I feel like I understand a lot about it. But the point that you, you, I've seen you make on other shows and, and, and stuff where you've been interviewed, which is a number of states, you've got state legislatures now who full, for a full generation have been in, and they don't even understand democracy because they've never had yeah. to live by it. Yeah, you have basically, and, and this is what, you know, I don't think people, have, even some Republicans, um, have still appreciated the truly distortive consequences when, when what you have now you have, which is an entire generation of majorities in power that never have experienced the democratic process. Maybe they won a primary where they got 5,000 votes sometime seven or eight years ago. Some never even did that. They get appointed. But essentially, and this is, you know, in any system of politics, you're going to have 25 <laughs> safe seats on one side or 25 on the other. That's normal. That's democracy. But we're talking now, thanks to rigged elections and voter suppression, majorities, super majorities of these state houses who have never literally been in a close election. The, the, there's a, the, the Ohio, I did the, I did the, in Ohio, uh, you know. 60 plus seats are double digit wins in the Ohio legislature out of 99. 
So these people have never really run for office. They don't know what it's like to be in a democracy. And what they have figured out is that – so they've, they've been living in a world that's not really dem- democratic. And the way you survive in that world is you become super extreme and you do what the Koch brothers or the for-profit charter school people tell you. They, they keep you in a good place. You go so extreme you can't lose a primary. That's your life. Well, guess what? In any system of fair elections, you would lose right away. Your public outcomes aren't defensible. You're corrupt. And you're too extreme. So not only have these people largely never really run for office or would be good at it, you know, just look at uh, Troy Balderson or something. He's a terrible right. candidate. He's in office. Um, but everything they've done in the world in which they've lived would be kryptonite in a world of real democracy. And get, here's the problem. They also are the people who write the rules of democracy. So as I keep saying in the book, how's that going to turn out? They're going right. to do everything they can to keep it from happening. That's the reality right now. And as this first generation all of a sudden is almost a second generation without real democracy, it's just getting more and more dangerous. So, I mean, I'll never uh, – do you want to jump in, John? No, no, I'm just listening. Just, Go on. You just enjoy. Yeah, um, just enjoy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll never forget – You know, when I, so when I first moved to Ohio, I think I first met you, David, um, uh, I, was, I was put on – I was the spokesperson and the strategist on this little team that was put together – in Columbus to win back the state house. This was in 2008, right? And yeah. granted, we had a lot of help from Obama being on the ballot, um, right? No doubt. So, but we were able to do it and really having a fantastic night where we even took some seats we didn't expect. And I remember the glee of that night. We were like, we took back the state house. It was so important. We are, we had the governorship. You know, we we're going to be able to get stuff done. <clears throat> and then they did what they did in 2010, all over the country. And that's I'm, I'm saying this for a reason. Uh, because I want to introduce, you know, people may have forgotten how we got to this point. Right. And in in not just red states, but in swing states, key swing states, Ohio, Michigan, you know, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, well, Georgia maybe wasn't a swing state then, but you, you know, it was, you get the point, Florida. I mean, so what did they do? Because we were walloped in 2010 and we've never been able to recover. Right. What did they do uh, to, to respond to our 2008 and 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 turn all these states into laboratories of autocracy. Well, what they did, and this is I ta- one of the people I talked to for this book is a state representative named Kathleen Clyde, who you would know fought yep. voter suppression and fought gerrymandering her entire time as a state rep. And we've seen this <clears throat> terrible history in America, where whenever a diverse electorate steps up and and you know t- gets its will enacted through elections, there's a huge backlash. Uh, that that they were able to do so, and and that was especially symbolized by Obama winning. Uh, you know, an African American president was was this symbol of this new rising majority, and and so 2010 was the first chance after 2010 for state houses and new governors like Kasich to do something about it. But but what Kathleen Klein reminded me of was they weren't simply mad that Obama won; they were mad that that same diverse rising majority actually got them thrown out of the state house majority, which you did in 08. And so right. when they got into power in 10, and it was a bad midterm, we should have been more focused on the ball. We weren't. When that happened, they went to work gerrymandering, but also attacking, you know, African-American diverse young voters through all sorts of devices, purging, um, you know, cutting off early vote as best they could. And it was all to make sure that what happened to them in 08 
where they lost a state house majority that, by the way, had been gerrymandered for them in 2001. And the group it wasn't gerrymandered enough, so they had to do more. right. They 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 drew the worst map in the history of Ohio, um, and they did it again not only because of Obama, but because but because they they did not want to risk losing. They did not want to risk losing <laughs> their own majority getting 2012, and and they based that was done all over the country. They had the ability to do that because they did win in 2010. But they went for broke in a way that, that you know, hadn't been seen before. And here's one of the things that should frustrate people. It wasn't just the extremists who did it. We now, are, we now have seen a little bit of an of a, of awakening where, you know, people like John Kasich and John Boehner are, are, are you know, woe with me about the new party. <laughs> who do you yeah. think did it? It was Kasich and Houston and Boehner. They right. were in the rooms that did all that gerrymandering. You've been listening to a free excerpt of the Unprecedented Podcast. To hear the rest of the show and hear all of our past shows and support our work as independent media, please go to patreon.com slash unprecedentedpodcast and become a subscriber for as little as $5 a month. You can have all of our old episodes, see all of our Zoom interviews, and support the great work that we hope you think we're doing promoting the democratic and liberal agenda. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. See you next episode.